All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fuck crats? What's happening? My name is Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Happy Monday morning. Good morning to you. I don't know when you listen to this, but man, I hope you made it through the weekend. I hope uh, I hope you're hanging in. Uh, today on the show, Tracy Ullman is here. Do you know Tracy Ullman? Do you remember Tracy Ullman? I shouldn't say it like that. She's always been doing things. She's got her second season of her HBO show, which is called Tracy Ullman Show, that premieres uh, this Friday, October 20th. She's done a lot of stuff, a lot of characters, a lot of things, insanely talented uh, human being, that Tracy Ullman. She's going to be here in just a bit. Oh, my God. I got to get back into the Sam Pants. It's time for Sam Pants. I'm a little nervous about Sam Pants. I'm shooting today. Today is the first day of shooting for the second season of the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, Glow. And, uh, you know, I quit nicotine. I got a lot of other things going on and quit coffee. So I'm feeling a little doughy, feeling a little thick. And now I got to get back into the Sam Pants. I hope the Sam Pants fit because I don't need any extra discomfort on set. Uh, first script is uh, looks good. Don't know where the season is going. But there are th- some things that are set in motion right out of the gate. And it's uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be going back to work uh, to do the, uh, the TV show. Because now that means I can just add more work. I can do the TV show. I can do the podcast. I can do stand-up. And I can have no time for anything else. And I can just slowly, you know, anxiously come unhinged. Great plan, right? We were just up in uh, the Bay Area, Brendan McDonald. Uh, my producer and business partner uh, and myself were up at uh, Litquake. We did the uh, the uh, we were in the Mission at the Alamo Draft House, which is I think the old Mission Theater, uh, doing an event, a Waiting for the Punch event. The book I think is uh, doing well. We it's it's hard to know with books, but a lot of people came and a lot of people were excited. A lot of people bought books both at the New York event and at the San Francisco event. We're going to try to fit in some more events. I think we're going to do one in uh, Los Angeles and maybe some uh, up north. I I don't know. It's kind of tricky because, as I said, I'm shooting a TV show. I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing stand-up. And I've got other things going on in my personal life that I'm not going to disclose at this point in time. Everything's good. Not a big problem other than the world is ending. Shit is on fire. Earths are quaking. And uh, people are coming unhinged. Some days, man, I don't know what it is, but there's just a ripple through the culture where everyone's just fucking unhinged on the street. Yesterday was one of those days where just people, I just, you walk down the street and you just hear someone yelling. It's got that distant crazy person sound. Just someone, you know, there's a certain pitch that occurs uh, when the brain it craps out that it, it's elevated. And when you hear it outdoors, you're sort of like, what's, what's going on over there? What's happening wherever that guy's yelling? So uh, that just, I just, like, sometimes it just seems like it's all over the place. Excuse me, I'm drinking some tea. So, yeah, but the events went great. I hadn't been up in San Francisco in a while. I went up, uh, Sarah the Painter had a a lovely opening at the uh, Tony Meyer uh, Gallery or Fine Arts Place. Uh, Her gallery up there, we did that opening Thursday night. It was lovely. Met some painters, some artsy types some poets, some thoughtful people. Uh, then, uh, then, and, and the paintings were, were spectacular. Then the following night, Brendan and I do this event. He talks to me, I talk to him on stage, and we take questions. And that went great. 
had some nice food in San Francisco. As I, I've been to San Francisco a lot. I lived there briefly. I don't know. I, I never know what is happening. I always feel. I started to realize this time that perhaps the Victorian architecture, so many Victorian structures that maybe it just feels fucking haunted to me. I never really put it together. There's a lot of chaos and riffraff and you feel like you're at the edge of sanity uh, on most streets in uh, San Francisco. Not in a bad way. There's not, it doesn't feel, there's a, there's a, a pretty uh, bad homeless problem and there, there are certain areas of the city that are nuts. But uh, the entire city itself just feels like it's on edge. And if you look at the way it's sort of structured, there's no grid, everything's cutting into the, to the other street, and then the rolling hills of just homes defying God to shake them down. And just uh, there just seems to be something, there, there feels like a frenetic edge to San Francisco. Even when you get out into the hippie regions, which are now on fire, that was the other thing. Very fucking devastating, very sad. My heart goes out to anybody who's battling those fires or losing, you know, homes and, and friends in those fires. It's just, it's just horrible. It, and it's ongoing. And uh, the, you could feel it in the air. You could, you could taste it in the air in San Francisco. You could barely breathe. And it was just disturbing and heartbreaking what's going on up in Northern California with these wildfires. Just completely out of control. And it, it's really not, it's really hard. It gets harder day in, day out. Not to, to lump all this stuff together. Not to think like, maybe I do, do I need to read Revelations again? Could it possibly, I mean, am I, am I off about this? Am I being too practical by being an atheist? Is it happening? I know there are people committed to it happening. There's the resurgence in a big way of Christo-fascism, which is, you know, always exciting. Has a lot of support. Not all the people, not half of the people, but enough to make it very uncomfortable. Uh, the Christo-fascists, they're coming up. They're coming up. And uh, our president, who is, uh, I think, practically, in most practical terms, Satan, uh, the, the evangelicals have made a deal with Satan to pursue their agenda. And that uh, it's always been teeming. It's always been under the surface. It's always been there. It's been there for years. But now they got their guy. And who would have known it would have been Satan? That makes perfect sense. So maybe I, I'm going to revisit Revelations because the fires, the earthquakes, the complete applied irony of the end of this governmental system. Every day, every day, hard to transcend. Sometimes I'm giddy with terror. Giddy with terror. That's the approach. Just remember, at all times, there's a very powerful force and momentum of ideological people that are trying to put in place what needs to be put in place to secure their place in heaven and the kingdom of the uh, hereafter. So just know that the applied prophecy element is intact and that uh, many people are working towards Armageddon. And it's something they see needs to happen to fulfill their ideological and spiritual agenda. Yeah, Death is better than life to a lot of people. They're looking forward to it, and they want to take a lot of us out with them. So, terrified and giddy. So, I told you about San Francisco. That went well. Having a little problem. How to get? You know, there, there's so many things you got to do to protect yourself. And I'm talking on a technological basis. I, just, I think I, I've outsecured myself. I, I got very frustrated. I try to keep my shit together. I'm trying to keep a, a level head in general. 
I'm trying, I feel a little better without the caffeine, without the nicotine, other than being a little chubby. I think my anxiety is limited, but uh, I had to get, uh, I had to get some line of credit approved. I didn't realize I had to do it. I had to sign up for something and they had to, you know, go and check my credit. And because Experian, the, the credit agency, uh, my identity was stole, my, stolen a few years back. Some of you remember that ordeal. And because I filed a, a police report, which you know doesn't go anywhere, but you have filed it and you tell Experian that you did that. And then they put a, an alert on your social security number for seven years, which is great. But uh, I had to use my social security number. And they asked me these series of questions from Experian over the phone to uh, authenticate. And uh, I couldn't answer them. And these were questions designed to protect me. And what they did was they protected me from me. And I can, now I got to go down to the place with a passport because uh, I, I, I outsecured myself. I mean, passwords are one thing, but these questions were ridiculous. I don't fucking remember my, my landline number from 20 years ago. I, I barely remember the addresses of where I lived. So I screwed myself, but that my social security number is safe. I can't even get to it. Tremendous. God, man, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy now. Three months. Three months. I got to look at it like that. You got to look at, you know, when you're entering a fucking cycle of insanity. It's like, well, I'm out in three months. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen in three months? Anxious. Anxious. Terrified and giddy. My guest today, Tracy Ullman. Uh, incredibly funny, uh, amazing. Uh, I, I I don't know you would call her an impressionist because no, she does characters, she does impressions, but she commits, man. Uh, the second season of her HBO show, which is called Tracy Ullman Show, premieres this Friday, October twentieth. This is me talking to the amazing Tracy Ullman. Uh, so you, you you're not we establish you're not a cat person, really. You don't I have. A, do like cats? Yeah. My daughter has two cats, but they're just really mean to us. Oh, really? The whole family. They like her, but they're just really well, What do you expect One's from them? One's completely mad and feral. They, oh. Just sits underneath the sofa and... Where'd she get that one? people with sort of yellow eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other one's called Edith and just loves Mabel and that's it. And just, you know, I go around there, I do the litter box, I, you know, I feed her, I yeah. take her treats. And at the end of it, I just go, so bye, Edith. And she yeah. goes, and jumps at me and slashes, slashes my chest. You got to fight. It's not a lot in it for me. <laughs> I know, but that's you have to be patient. I know. And wait for, well, Mabel says that, but it's, you know, when I go for, home, my dog is just great. You I know, know, but that, don't I don't trust that. It's just sort of <sighs> like, I, yeah, I get it. You like me. <laughs> I don't, that much uh, affection from anything yeah. I find uh, disconcerting. But, you know, that's me. I got problems. Yeah, what you, like, you? So you like to. I know, maybe like a little struggle. Intense. It's so obvious you would be a cat person. Just having met you, just really. Yeah, you can spot cat people, and and all cats voted Brexit. That's my theory. <laughs> they would. Do you know what I mean? No, you, they don't want other. They no. want European cats coming over, taking their litter, taking the. They all voted. Brexit. I, I don't. I will not accept that. I my they cats. Did. My Come cats on. are very pro progressive. <laughs> Well, and look where you are, Eagle yeah, Rock cats. Yeah, yeah. You know. these are Eagle Rock cats. They're progressive. <laughs> they're nervous. Uh, mm. They're inclusive, but it takes a little <laughs> while. 
Like I introduced a black kitten and I got two old cats. You saw them on the bed. They're very PC about the black kitten. Of it course. took time. You, it took time. Really? Well, even, he, he, there's a lot. There was a lot of skirmishes and uh, was yeah. skir- skirmishes. Cat skirmishes. You don't have the old coyote problem because that's a problem. I don't living let him in outside. LA. I'm not going to let him outside oh, anymore. Yeah, well, I did. I got a cat for my son Johnny, and it was like eating on the lawn. You know, that's the problem here. They just. Oh. Yeah, one of them. I do it outdoor cats. Eagles swoop down, yeah, take them off. It's, it's yeah, it's a dangerous horrible. place. But it's also the way the world works, Tracy. That's the ways of the yes. wild. I lost a feral cat recently uh, yeah, to, uh, to something. Yeah, to the coyotes. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I'm I I've been uh, meditating on your career, mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite expansive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you? I mean. Do you look back? You're, you're really, I, I mean, we're almost the, the same age, and I have not accomplished anywhere near uh, what you've done. When you sit and think about it, do you ever sit and think about, like, oh, my God, I've been in show business forever. 40 and I, years. Well, I, I started dancing when I was 16. Isn't it incredible? Yeah, it's And really you've had weird. so you've had many shows with your name on them. Well, they always seem to involve no, your name. Well, it's the easiest way for the TV guide. And if you, <laughs> you know, me and my husband were always, like, you know, owned them, so we wanted to sell them. Yeah, so, so it had, just put your name on them. Why are you going to yeah. try and be mysterious? And you and stayed say, married for a long time. Like, no, my lovely husband. Yeah, I lost my husband. Uh, he died four years ago. Nearly. Oh, but yeah, we were married. I'm sorry. Married thirty years, and it was good. It was... Oh yeah, he was my fella. He was great. He made me laugh all the bloody time. But I've got his two kids. Yeah, and they're his? they're, they're not... just. <laughs> are, are <laughs> yeah, they I've got my too? daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looks so like him. Yeah. Um, how old my is she? son is 26 in a minute, and he's like his dad. He really makes me laugh. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the so daughter? My with daughter's the cats. 31. Yeah, Mabel. Yeah. With the cats. Yeah. She doesn't make you laugh? <laughs> oh, she's hilarious. They're just fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Are they in show business? Um, no, Mabel, when she was three, somebody said, uh, Do you want me in an actress like your mommy? And yeah. she said, No, I want to be something useful like a nurse. Oh. She's very disparaging about yeah. show business. Um, <laughs> what does she do? She wanted to be a politician. She's she worked at the Houses of Parliament for five years. So she, she's they're both in Britain. She nearly got no Johnny. Johnny lives and works yeah. here. He he's working on James Corden's show right now. He's um he's helping a, out on that. Uh, he James has been in here. I've been on has the he? show. He's a he's a an excitable fella. Excitable. <laughs> he's got a lot of energy. He does. He's got big plans for a British boy. <laughs> he's very confident. <laughs> but he's been. Uh, He's doing all right, I he's guess, in that time spot. He's been very good to my son. Yeah, he is. He's come over and he's done it. And he's... That, that uh, car karaoke thing, that, that, that's the star of that show. That's a very smart premise, isn't it? It, it is. Spin-off. It's very entertaining. It's so great. He gets people to be totally natural and admit stuff and talk to him that, in a way they never would Yeah. in a couch interview yeah. format. In the car, so, you mean, or I, yeah. on his show? Yeah. No, there's something sweet about there's people lovely. singing. Yeah, and Elton John and, uh, you know, the best interview I'd seen him give in a long time. And Oh, yeah. I think he's, he's, he's really learned how to listen to people. Did you know him in England? No, not really. I, I was in Into the Woods, the movie, um, I was a little... Had part in that with, and we sort of crossed paths in that. But you and, didn't know him uh, as a TV presenter, or what was he? He was an actor, <laughs> he was wasn't he? He's an actor, yeah. I remember that, seeing him in the History Boys at the National, and and uh, in One Man, Two Governors, which I think really attracted the attention for him to, yeah, CBS but, give him a go. But your daughter's in politics. Y- yeah, she was. She's really passionate about politics. Um, always was. I took her to the 
House of Commons. And yeah, and that was it. Planted when she was the like seed. seven, and she looked at the House of Lords and the House of Commons, and said, "I want to be in there with the real people." She with the real to the people. House of Commons. Oh yes, she was always saying very profound things. Our Mabel. And uh, the like, because I watch, I watch a bit of you doing Theresa May. Mm-hmm. And like, like, and I noticed something in watching a newer thing. Like all the way through. Your ability to to mock and humanize simultaneously is <laughs> is the real gift, mock isn't and humanize. it? <laughs> and I'm not nasty, actually. I well, do I like think... people. I can't. And it was a tough time to impersonate Theresa May. But you know, the, but you made her sympathetic somehow. I and, it, and, that, and that's yeah, not a she bad is. thing. She's like a because I know that sort of English woman so well, you know. Sort of talks like that, you know, and it's all very, well, let's just get on, shall we? Um, and she's a vicar's daughter from Maidenhead. And I know exactly where she's from. And yeah. my sister's the same age as her. And we grew up near her. Yeah. And you couldn't be more different, you know, me or Theresa May. And, uh, yeah, she's got a bit of a hunchback. She looks like a sort of, she looks like as if Nosferatu and Oscar Wilde had a child. She looks like the vicar from the Barchester Chronicles, a yeah. Trollope novel. And she's just Dickensian looking. I mean, it's, but um, the man that plays my husband in it is yeah. Philip. He was just wonderful. We had a wonderful day being them. And yeah. Knowing how in pain she must be right now. We shot it just after the election and that terrible Grenfell fire. And, you know, I thought, can I do this? This is, you know, there's so, many, so much suffering this woman can go through. And then Tracy Ullman impersonates her <laughs> in prime time. It's like, leave her alone, you know? <laughs> but then we did it and it was just fabulous fun. And I, but the I nation thought, needed it. The, the nation needed it. Yeah. You showed up for the... See, like, as, a, as an American who's relatively uh, ignorant or at least disconnected from the nuances of, of British politics, I don't know what you're all going through over there. It's rough. I mean, it's Brexit was, for me, it was just awful. Because at that moment, you realized that you were surrounded and did not know necessarily... Uh, the disposition or ignorance or, or contempt of your fellow well, British people? Yeah, it was just a bad mistake for David Cameron to call a referendum. He didn't need to do it. It was to, you know, silence his backbenchers and all those reasons. And it was, I mean, I love being a European, you know, yeah. since, you know, we've been in Europe. It's it's like, I don't know. I mean, I remember it before we went into Europe. It yeah. was pretty crappy. We ate spotted dick and... <laughs> Things like that. And it what was, is spotted dick? Oh, it's a sponge pudding with raisins in it. And it's yeah. just a great thing to say, isn't yeah. it? Would no, you like fun. some spotted, spotted dick? dick. I, uh, yeah. I'm so scared we might go back to our old culinary habits in England. That's once, once we live. <laughs> That's my concern. I mean, it's been great. I mean, the Italians and the French there, and they bring in all the great food, you know, with the, the food level in England. We went up, and all, you know, and we can all get on that tunnel and go to France for lunch. And You think all that's going to go away? <laughs> Uh, they're, they're pissed off with us. I mean, it's 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 odd. It's a weird feeling psychologically, especially in London, you know, the big city. And but it, you know, yeah, it's I mean, it's the same as here. You know, realize then I I'm an American too, and I yeah. came home to vote in November, and I got that Brexit gut about eight o'clock. I thought this is not going oh, when, well. When I thought I s- something bizarre is going to happen here too. When I saw the Brexit vote, that was when I realized like, oh, this guy can win. Yeah, did yeah. you? I did sort of mm. like that's I, I likened it to that scene in Godfather Two where Michael Corleone sees the guy blow himself up and he says to Lee Strasberg, he says, mm. uh, I saw so this guy blow himself up in in the in Strasberg goes, What does that mean to you? He says it means they could win. Like there's a moment there uh-huh. globally where you're like, the momentum is there. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. happening there now? What's going to is it is it just stalled? Well, it's is just it tons of negotiations and, you know, as you know, Theresa May called an election and Yeah, that was a, that a was mistake. disastrous. Um Do you think it's going to not go I, through? It just I hope not. I mean, I think it'll dissolve into a mess. I don't know. I mean, I think we'll be begging them to come back Maybe in just, in five years. Right, they'll just stop talking about it and I hope it goes know. away. And as soon as then, then all those flats they've built for all those people that work in the city, you know, you see those big hoardings everywhere and it's always young people with Burberry bags on bicycles <laughs> waving. It's, it's, and they're always like young professionals yeah, coming yeah. to London, buying lots of flats and shopping a lot and drinking organic coffee. They ain't going to come anymore. And once our, you know, financial services stuff starts to collapse in the city everyone's going to really panic so it, i don't i don't know the it, re- it's uh it's not going well Mark. yeah yeah and you're are you living there full-time now pretty much yeah yeah i'm uh but are there still good things because i was just there and i don't know a lot about it but like i always feel when i'm in england or when i'm in london which i'm not there for that long ever that like this place has been here a long time. Mm. It's seen a lot of stuff, good and bad, and it just seems like the the people are are pretty you know tough about it, mm. and that it doesn't feel like I don't I didn't feel, but then again I I, I was just going on, you know uh, you know whatever psychic vibe I was getting. It didn't. <laughs> Where feel, do you stay when you come into London? I was trying to remember. I stayed right next to the uh, the the big park there, to Hyde Park, in a fancy hotel that Netflix well, put me up there. You're in the center, in the fancy. And there's a, there's a you nice... want to go out to Luton, where they have darts tournaments and vote Brexit. You're staying in the nice bits. See, we're in the. Yeah, you go over there, and you're in the bubble. Yeah. We're here. We're in a bubble. You yeah. go out. You know, my daughter, having worked in politics for years, yeah. you know, she was out in the rest of the country. She could see it coming. You yeah. know, it's like we do get trapped in these big centers and uh, i only had three days i, mean, I, I should have i should yeah. have made some plans to go out to see a dart tournament <laughs> i love when i see americans they go how many kilometers is it it's like guys don't say kilometers um <laughs> but when you where'd you grow up i grew up just outside in, in the countryside really the green belt area around london um jim carner's ponies um I'm, really? not, I'm not a cockney or you know a real londoner actually but you were born in where and you were born uh, burnham, in burnham like slough do you know where they set the office the original yeah, yeah, ricky yeah. gervais office yeah. you know that roundabout you see at the yeah. beginning of the show yeah. that's they knocked my father's shop down to put up that piece of 60s crap uh so i was like you know from like 14 miles outside london would it be uh, considered like a suburb yeah of london yeah, yeah and what and what kind of shop did your dad have there um, he was he did everything. He was a he was at Dunkirk and he was in the Polish army and he came to London and he never went back after the war and he was a, a lawyer and an interpreter and he set up a big shop in London for all the Poles uh-huh. that came and made their lives there and you, you wanted furniture, you went to John. You you, you wanted he was a wife, like, you went to John. Right. You wanted <laughs> you wanted a Beatles suit, you went to John. And he, he just, was the uh, Polish conduit. He was to <laughs> he was English it. culture. Yeah, he just he's, he was fantastic. So he yeah. was like a, he was probably one of those guys that was sort of like the mayor. Yeah, in a way, like yeah. of that community, like everybody knew him. He, kind exactly. Of yeah, he, that's what he my dad did. Um, and he became a lawyer as well. He was a lawyer from in, in Poland. So he helped so, with legal advice. Yeah, and- everything. Yeah, he'd like 
Yeah, and 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 what? So the office that they leveled was his law office. Yeah, yeah. No, we had like an office. It was like it was a shop. We had everything. You had the Beatles suits in there. You got you want Winkle, you want Winkle pickers. You go to John. You you know he had everything in there. He'd make me dance on the counter for the customers. You know, my Tracy, she's so talented. She's a star. Um, and uh, oh, he sweet. sold suits, and he used to let Character. a couple of nutty guys that had been in the desert rats who had gone a bit crazy with the sun live in the back room and it was incredible. what he had desert yeah. rats in the back the room? guys that had been in the army the oh, polish army there with I remember him? this man mr dugosh who was completely crazy he, yeah. let, he, he felt sorry for me to let him live in the back back room <laughs> and as kids we would always be talking to mr dugosh who was completely mad <laughs> so you grew up with characters mad, yeah mad people that's sweet it's uh, sort of sweet yes. my grandfather owned a hardware store it was always there was always people there you know it never just seemed to function as a place where people bought appliances <laughs> Yeah, no. they they needed advice. They needed other yeah, things. Yeah, that needed... was how I remember. Yeah, as a kid with my dad. Yeah. And what? Well, how long was he around? Well, he died when I was six. So, um, oh, and my so, mom. I know. It's so young. Yeah, I was. What um, happened? Um, had a heart attack, heart problems. Um, then my mom kind of didn't speak Polish or couldn't carry on with the whole business, and so she, you know, where was just she our from? Fortunes changed. She was a Londoner. Oh, she was a. So that you South should, London girl. She no longer could keep be the conduit. No, to the Polish she couldn't community. be the conduit. No, she could, she never spoke the language well enough. So uh, and then we're our up. fortunes came and went, and my mom did various things and worked in various places and uh, odd jobs. Yeah, she'd work in laboratories like that tested food and weird stuff you know and bring food home and we'd be we'd be eating it we'd be no she thought it was all right one night she brought a load of this corned beef home and me and my sister had been eating it you know for like three days and then she went oh girls don't eat that it's unfit for human consumption i've just found out we're like it's a bit late now mum but she just brought it home thinking like well they don't need it yeah she would do things like that she was she's crazy too she's hilarious and is she still around no no i'm an orphan now i'm sorry it happened late, though. Yeah, she was, she lived a lot longer. So when did the uh, when did you start like doing the show business? I used to get on my mother's windowsill when my dad died and do the Tracy Ullman show. I used to pull the curtains For really? across. Yeah, that the was the original like, Tracy Ullman show. That was show? the original Tracy Ullman show. Started in my mother's bedroom, and, and she was sad. She was on the bed. She would sit on the bed, and I would just want to cheer her up, and I would impersonate people. And put on a show and wear her negligees and How old were I'd you? pretend I was Edith Piaf oh. and sing in pretend French. You know, and she'd go, oh, isn't it amazing? She's never learned. She can speak another language. And she used to do a load of stupid things. And I used, Did to, you have... I used to act and, yeah. and I used to be... Pretend I was in a documentary and my husband was in prison and I had two kids and I was being beaten up and I used to do all dramatic stuff. And Where'd you get that information? I don't know. Ken Loach films. Yeah, yeah. Well, did, <laughs> did, did you have siblings? Yeah, my older sister, Patty, who... It was her show originally, so I'm a spin-off from oh, her show. She yeah, always yeah. says, like, listen, it was the Patty Ullman show <laughs> and I let you have a shot on the show and then you spun off, really. Yeah, what, for your whole life was a spin-off <laughs> of your sister's yeah. show. What does she do? Um, Patty lives here. She's lived here for a long, long time. She's a, a accountant and a 
personal assistant. She worked in a bank and stuff. So well, that's interesting that you started entertaining because your mom was sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. My dad was sort of a depressive, and mm-hmm. you just want to try to help him out, get yeah. a little chuckle. It's very rewarding. Yeah. To get the your parent to laugh. Really was, yeah. And did that you, was my fun too, to put on a show. Yeah. Lots and, of kids like putting on shows and so I did. And you just always the impersonations were just a natural thing? Or did you Well feel- I'd impersonate people in our village. Like there was a woman that lived opposite us called Annie Cox and she'd lost her fiance in the First World War. And um she, she wore married. Wellington boots, rubber boots and a woolen woolen hat and her nose dripped. <laughs> little bit, always a little drip. And had a lot of cats, by the way, Mark. She was a cat person. Uh-huh. <laughs> with her cats. Of course, you could let them out in England. There wasn't a bloody great coyote yeah, going to eat them hawks, there. Eagles. No, no, hawks. Hawks. This was Burnham in the 60s. And I would impersonate her. And of course, my family knew who she was. And it would just make them weep with laughter. Yeah. There were no Wellington boots. Uh-huh. So it was always people I knew and people I sort of were poignant to me like Annie Cox was sad you know yeah. she lived in a little house with no electricity and you know her fiance had died as I said and she was just like this eternal virgin but you were never being mean no I just loved that's interesting her. that because I, I I don't know if I thought about it as clearly as I did when I was watching some of your stuff again that uh that there's a difference between making fun of somebody and honoring them, you know, in, in a way. Yeah, I do. If, it, if I've ever gotten too mean, it's not been me and I've, you know... Pushed back again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not doing stand-up. I'm not a social... I mean, someone called me a social satirist once. Part I'm like, That's wonderful. But I don't... I really am a character actress, you know, and I'm... Uh, that can you know it makes people laugh some of the things I do I'm I'm, I'm not a comedian I'm not a comedian I'm not a comic I'm not a, that's not what I but do but you, do you improvise within these characters all yeah the, yeah yeah I, love I mean doing that. right so I mean that you know you do have mm. you're not you're not just an actress you're an improvisate you know yeah you're, you're yeah well, the improvise. first yeah my big breakthrough was when I was 21 and I did a improvised play at the Royal Court in in London and uh, it was just brilliant to be able to make up a yeah. play yeah. in a few weeks and that's what I love doing. Yeah? What was that about? It was like about club acts in England. We had to, four of us were, we had to improvise over 14 weeks to just figure out, you know, club acts that were back in their digs at night talking. And it was, I know it sounds pretty dull, but it was really great. It was a big hit. Who were the club acts? I was like a singer. I was a born-again Christian singer, Carl Beverly. And sparkly frocks, and I used to get home and pray with everybody. <laughs> and you've done a um, lot of uh, Christian characters, have I? Well, have you done a few? I saw one, a fairly recent one. The was the one with the 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 niece, <laughs> the you, the no homo thing. Oh yeah. God, yeah, that was like Birdie Godsend. That was a while ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so anyway, there was it was fanatics are are fun to uh, to do impressions of. Yeah, I just. Yes, they are. Yeah. Do you sometimes like I I I I don't envy them, but like they're they're the way they're so sure. <laughs> I know. I wish I was. Yeah, right. I know. I mean, I guess that's the big perk of having very narrow-minded beliefs, and 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 uh, yeah, you, you know, know, it's easier maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 happens after that? The royal court thing. Let's then go I got through it. Poached to do like a poached. I mean, I just got asked to do a BBC sketch show with a couple of guys and I remember saying oh I don't know if I could do that um 
you know, women are always just the butt of sexual jokes, and I don't, I haven't got big tits, and I'm not blonde, and I, I, you know, because all there was in England that time at that time really was like Benny Hill. You got it, yeah. Oh, big tits. Oh, nurse. Oh, Benny's pinching her bum. Oh, Mister. It was that. And Monty Python. They had one girl in it in their troupe called Carol, somebody who always played the sexy nurse, and. There were no women. It wasn't like America where you had Gilda Radner and Carol right, yeah, Burnett and Lucille Ball. And, you know, we were very behind. But you had great women stage actresses. Yes, right? of course. That's what yeah. I wanted to be. I mean, I was, I mean, you know, Peggy Ashcroft and Judy Dench and right. Mag- Maggie Smith. They are who I aspire to be when I'm, when I'm older. Oh, my goodness. I, they're the best. But right. as, you know, comedy as, yeah. shows, there was no sitcom really or or um a, a variety show with a woman that wasn't just heading it no so you felt like hemmed in you couldn't do anything no and i you know i thought i don't want to be benny hill girl but the, this show that i yeah. ended up doing after the theater show was great and the and the, the the producer was a guy called paul jackson who he he'd figured out that there was a lot of young people in london at that time like dawn french and jennifer saunders yeah. And uh, Hugh Laurie and oh. Stephen Fry and, you know, the comic strip. And he realized there was this whole wave of younger comedians and that, you know, w- weren't going to fit these TV formats. What year and was this? This was like the early 80s. Yeah. And, uh, God, it lasted that he long, was, huh? He was great. And he did the young ones, you know, and he figured out you know that, that to let us like do what we wave. could do yes he was definitely new wave paul and he was he was at the bbc but he you know he just said to all the old or farts at the bbc listen we're going to try something very new in 1981 <laughs> yeah yeah and like was Stuart lee around then too yeah Stuart was uh that yeah was that his was first yeah, like when Stuart he started really, doing yeah. before he quit and then came back yeah <laughs> he did he like did stand up and he got sick of the yeah. audiences and then he's like i'm done and then he came back he's brilliant and alexi sale and rick mail um and so but they, they were very much stand-up comments I, I remember going to see them i mean i saw dawn and Jennifer, because they, they were did women. A, they did a team Oh, thing. they were amazing. I saw them at this club in Soho, and I just thought, oh, my God, this is this is the, this yeah, is the future. The, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they came on and pretended to be like American girls talking about Tam O'Shanners and stuff, and they were just so <laughs> fresh and weird and wonderful. And they were women. They were yeah. really funny. So I and got Hugh Laurie, was he in the team Yeah, too? Hugh and Stephen used to have a... Stephen Fr- Fry? I saw him. Yeah, they had an act together. See, I don't like... I wish I knew... Like, I wish I knew more about... Like, I always say this when I talk to... to British performers that I like I don't know enough I don't know the history of it I didn't grow Mm -hmm. up with it Mm. but everyone talks about like certainly Stephen Fry with such reverence like he's a genius and I'm sure he is but I gotta watch that stuff what was well that was it's that was their club act together their stand-up was I don't think there's any record of that really which just uh, maybe it is on their front, but yeah. a bit of Fry and Laurie, I'm not sure. But he was in that tradition of the real genius and the generation before was Peter Cook. Oh, yeah, right, right, Peter right. Peter Cook and Dudley, Dudley Moore. Moore. Peter yeah. Cook was a genius. I mean, he could write. He was just, he, you know, in the Beyond the Fringe yeah, yeah, yeah. with Alan Bennett and Peter Cook. I mean, there, yeah. it was, you know, incredible. Where does um, Rowan Atkinson fit into everything? That, he was like just before me, a couple of years before, they did a program called Not the Nine O'Clock News and that yeah. was Rowan and Mel Smith and it was really, really funny. Um, yeah, yeah, really yeah. Like, but we never had our own sort of Saturday Night Live. See, what I did when I first came to America was yeah. I didn't work straight away. Yeah. Jim James Brooks, bless him, he told me, he said, 
you can have a baby and all that, and then we'll do a show. He said, go to the Museum of Broadcasting and watch all the American stuff from the late 40s, 50s, and get a grounding. Yeah. In, and so I watched your show of shows and Imogene Coker and all those Ernie Kovacs, and I watched on all those shows that had been, you know, uh, formats that had come from England and vice versa. I learned so much. I used to sit there every day. It must have blown your mind. It was amazing. And that's when I, as I say, I realized how incredible the, the women And James been. Brooks told you to do that. He did. But before that, you had this whole, like, you did, you did a show with French and Saunders, right? I did, briefly, yeah. It was the, was the three of you. It was called Girls on Top, and it was with an American girl called Ruby Wax, and it was it was like the the female young ones because the young ones was you know that Rick Mail and Alexi said. And how long did that last? I just did a year because I was having a baby, so they went You're on already did it married? a bit longer. Yeah, I was married like I was twenty, early twenty. How'd you meet your husband? I he was a producer on a show. Which show? Oh, he uh, not that one. <laughs> He was, um, I used to see his name a lot on the credits. I think, oh, that guy does a lot of stuff. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and then he, he saw me on television and just did that classic, I'm going to marry that girl. Oh, really? Which is hilarious. What, what did he see you on? That would make the impression. Know, don't you don't know. remember? Does I don't that know. He just said he was sitting in his flat. He used to live in America, though, in the 70s. He'd gone over. Um, oh, the crazy seventies! So, he was in Hollywood in the crazy seventies. Oh, he had was, all the good stories. He, he had all the parties with Harry Nielsen, oh, and Peter no. Cook, and Robin Williams. Up, he bought Spielberg's old house up wow. on Lookout Mountain, a tiny little house. And this and before you met him? Before he met me. Oh, uh, he was a bugger. He was always Playboy bunny girls yeah, and yeah. crap. And he he was one of those bachelors that eventually, you know, realized it was time to settle down. with yeah, a he'd smart had enough. brunette. Go back to England. Yeah, and as his night. friend Ian Lafrenet says, you, know, you stopped him drinking, smoking, doing drugs. You basically ruined Alan's life. <laughs> <laughs> but he was ready to be ruined. Yeah, but what? How? Where does where does the big music career fit in? That was oh blimey! See, I've done everything, haven't I? Um, like oh yeah, you I have see, done well, I was I got to be so this sketch show that I did that was turned out to be really good because Paul Jackson let us do modern stuff and didn't make me. Do be the butt Which of the one, section the one joke. It was guys? called Three of a Kind at yeah. the BBC. With fabulous black comedian called Lenny Henry. Yeah. And a, another guy called David Copperfield. And it's kind of worked. It became the Saturday night show. And I could so I was like the it girl. It was popular. Six months. Very popular. What and, year was uh, that? 82? 81, 82. 82. <laughs> and I remember just sitting in a hairdresser's one day getting my orange extensions put on my hair because that's where Boy George used to go. And a woman leant that over was... and said, do you want to make a record? My husband has a record label called Stiff. Oh, that was a big... And she was wearing a T-shirt that said, if it ain't stiff, it ain't worth, worth a fuck. fuck. Yeah. And I said, if I can get one of those T-shirts, I absolutely will. And they had all the like punk rock guys. Oh, man, like, it was everybody. the coolest label. Yeah, Why they took great. me on, I don't know. It was mad. I, I mean, it was the coolest label. Yeah. They it had like so everybody cool. for a minute. Oh yeah, I had Nick Lowe and Rock yeah, Pile doing right. my backing tracks. A madness had you write did? me a song, you know. I had uh, Nick Lowe in here. I loved He's him. Great. I mean, they were the, the Rock Pile, Dave I loved Edmonds, Rock Pile. yeah. Dave Edmonds, great guitar so, player. So, and they had Devo in America right. and Lena Lovitch and Elvis Costello and just that was the, the greatest. Time. It was really a cool label. That um, was the time. And I was a sort of like commercial pop wing for a second. And I How, had a lot of hits. And did, did somebody, I, was, I was never the real deal. But I mean, but did someone invent you? I mean, were you, who was writing the songs? What was the idea? Kirsty McCall, the late, great Kirsty McCall, um, who wrote amazing songs for herself. And I, I just loved her. She was 
um, and she'd written They Don't Know, uh, a really wonderful song, and she'd released it, and it had done pretty well, but I just was obsessed with doing it again. And then because I was me and I was, you know, I'd like to laugh and I like dressing up, I would just made it all kind of faux early 60s fun. Yeah, yeah. I'd put on I'd have beehives and purple mini skirts and do crazy videos. And I Old think people all remember I had Paul McCartney in my video because I knew him and it was cool and I got him to sit in a car with me. And so I would, I had, you know, Kirsty was the real deal, you know, sit there with the guitar, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I, but I sort of flashed it all up a bit. Yeah. And yeah. it, and it, but it worked, and uh, and you had like a, I had great fun for a couple of years doing a couple of hit pop records. songs. I did, yeah. I had some really big hits in Europe, and then I had a big hit here with "They Don't Know." Oh yeah, yeah, uh, that's her top song. ten hit. So yeah. she made some money. Yeah, Chrysalis did. Yeah, um, Paul McCartney. How long have you been friends with him? How does that oh, happen? Oh, long time. Well, I, I at that time as well, I was at, I did a little part in his movie. He did oh, called broad, "Give My Regards yeah, to Broad Street." Yeah, which yeah. Is, this kind of madness and he, went on for a couple of years. He, he knew you from the from the TV show. Yeah, and he was just yeah. We just got to be friendly, With Linda and him. Oh, I was. It was just magic, you know. There you, I was. I, I mean, because I I'd been to a Beatles concert when I was five, really? and I remember With sobbing. Your... In that, my my mum got tickets. And I remember sobbing and being so overwhelmed with feelings a five-year-old should never have. And if somebody had said to me then, don't worry, Tracy, you'll grow up and you'll get to meet Paul and you'll you'll get to kiss him, actually, in a film. And <laughs> I would have been like, don't be so silly. I think I'm going to explode. But, uh, um, no, you saw them when they were wearing matching suits and everything. Yeah, people were throwing gonks at the stage and no gonks? one could hear them. Oh, they were like stuffed toys. They were called gonks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I remember screaming and screaming. And your mother was a fan? Oh, well, she that's why she got the bloody ticket. She, she loved yeah, them. Yeah, she loved them. But you can remember it. I remember that concert just being very frightened, actually. Of we what was being, happening? Yeah, I mean, it was mad. I was five. It was really frightening, Mark. I went with my boyfriend, Adam Wood. I think he was younger than me. He was like four. He wet himself. It was ridiculous. He took these two little small children. Just we screaming girls. It was horrible. I can't imagine what... Because you really watched some of, those foot, the, some of the footage of the Stones and any of those, and the Beatles, too. Like It was just something just unleashed. Like, like it, it had never been unleashed before. Just young girls going crazy. Going crazy. And there they are up on stage with two amps the, the size of a... Four sit, guys. Sit with the size of a Kellogg's cornflakes box, you yeah. know. <laughs> no one can hear them. You've got distressed five-year-olds in the front row, you know. Did it you, was... Did you tell Paul about the, that yeah. you remembered that? I told him. <laughs> did he remember the show? No. Oh. But um, I did get to meet, and he's a lovely fella, and he's always been bumping to him all my life. And uh, you know, I just feel just privileged to know him, and he's lovely. And he he gave Johnny, a, my son, a plectrum when he was like three. Oh, and, uh, Johnny a plectrum for a guitar. You know, oh, yeah. now Johnny plays guitar now. And he's, he does. He's just a lovely man. And uh, driving up to your house today, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a nice area here, and there's those little bits that time forgot. There's still like an ad yeah. in a window with the Beatles in four soda bottles no look, yeah it is when you I'm like wow it's really gone back in time this area <laughs> that must be a, at a hipster store it's not it's oh really no because not very hipster around here mark it come is. on it's gotten a little you hipster. think it has you think i don't know where you came in did you come <laughs> in a time machine maybe maybe the street that you were on is uh. like, it was from 1967 <laughs> so so from music why didn't you did you was there a point where you're like i can't do this it was I mean, I was just lip syncing my way around Europe. I used to sing into a hairbrush for a laugh. Yeah. Um, 
I remember being on some dumb pop show in Holland and they would just sort of introduce my going, hello, Teresa Ullman's here and she's crazy. <laughs> you know, that sort of, you know when you feel just stupid, they go, Tracy Ullman, hello. <laughs> you think, oh, I just feel so stupid. I remember standing there in my purple miniskirt and then he, and then it was live TV and then it, they were doing shock practice, t- tactics and they put a live rat on my shoulder. Uh-huh. And I just thought, and I just stared this guy down. I thought, you idiot. I ain't doing this anymore. This is it. This you is just too killed my career. Yeah. yeah. It's your fault. It's you your ruined fault. the you fun for dick. everybody. Yeah. You twit. <laughs> and, uh, but was your husband, he was a TV producer. So what did he think of it from the beginning? Was he like- He's always said about me, she's a nice little earner, my Trace. <laughs> <laughs> he, That's why he, he was Peter partying. Cook's best friend. Oh, really? And they were... Uh, he made Peter Cook laugh. I mean, I mean, my husband, he was just hilarious. He's brilliant. So you and, knew uh, Peter Cook too? A li- briefly, yeah. Because yeah. he, 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 he used to come and stay at my husband's with my husband. And they just, uh, he was really funny. So you were really. No, he loved what I did. He was my biggest fan. Yeah. And he just, you know, and because of him, I got to do a lot of shows that we, you know, Produced, produced and distributed and he but, ra- but, raised the money for them so we didn't we could always you know I still own the catalogue now all the shows we did together so, uh, set we, it up we, right. we thought we were the Desilu of London it sounds like point. you were <laughs> kind of yeah but did he think the music was some sort of weird kind of like she's got to get this out of her system he, or he, he said he liked a couple of the early ones <laughs> and then I, I remember I had to sing oh the worst thing Mark yeah they brought me to do the Tonight Show in LA and uh, with Carson. Yeah. Oh, As boy, I remember that. Yeah, and uh-huh. I remember the rainbow-colored curtains. And then I thought, oh, I'll do my lip-syncing. I'll do my little, you know, they yeah. don't know about us. And they yeah. said, well, this is Doc Severinsen. Remember the band oh, on yeah, The Tonight sure. Show? And you're going to sing live. Yeah. And uh, Doc's uh, had the musicians work up a version. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. It yeah. was like, a scoop, do it, ba-ba, so I went on with cars. Oh my god! I thought I could just do my, you know, Kirsty yeah, Macaulay version. Sure. I had to sing it like in this jazz, jazz you yeah. know, Doc Severinsen style. Did you pull it off? No, it was appalling. Even my husband, who was completely tone deaf, said I sounded like a wounded horse. Oh, no, <laughs> it was probably the most humiliating, dreadful experience of my life so between that and the holland experience oh, it was, I was over. so done with the pop songs was johnny like, nice to you he was terrible to me I and mean, he, he asked me he looked at me with his cold little <laughs> he had like eye blue eyes like little bird's eggs yeah and he just said to me ah so um here you do a poetry show in england totally something totally totally wrong and i went um, no and then i found that my tongue had stuck to the roof of my mouth it was the most awful experience I did get to go back on uh, the show a few years later on like Thanksgiving night uh, with George night. Burns, yeah, uh, and Johnny, and had the most wonderful time. And you know that sort of vindication where I got to say to him, "You were horrible to me, Johnny. You asked me if I did a poetry show, and I felt so stupid." And I got, and then we had a wonderful time. You uh-huh. know, so it went from being the worst thing ever to one of the nicest things. Oh, uh, and he remembered. No, no, no. <laughs> probably not. But he took it. He took it. <laughs> and I made fun of Doc Severance and I did the whole thing. And so George was, Burns was 110. He, he, um, no, the sh- he, he went on first. And I remember him coming to my dressing room and saying, hello. It was George, a big cigar. <laughs> yeah. I'm really old. So I'm not going to be on when you come on because I might die. <laughs> he said to 
something like that. And I went, oh, I would hate that for you to die beside me. George went, no. So I'll be in my little car going, I said, don't you worry. So he did tell me he was too old and couldn't stay on for my bit. That is classy that he knew enough to know that that panel, it was, he, he didn't want you to feel like it was impolite. I know. That's I love sweet. that he told me that. Because they all, everyone needs to sit out there together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He couldn't. I didn't blame him. He didn't know who I was. He was, you know? <laughs> he was but, but still very polite. It was lovely. So when do, you, when do you start to, how does the first manifestation of the show happen? Um, of well, the, the American shows. Yeah. Well, I came to America to marry my husband. We got married. The in first the, one was the, the Tracy Allman yeah, show. Yeah, and I met uh, my agent out here at the time, a, a lady called Martha Luttrell at ICM. She did that thing where we'll start at the top. Yeah. You can go and see this man called Jim Brooks, and, and then we'll go down from there, and we'll see if he, you know. But how, at Luckily, that point, he wanted to do a show with me. I just got really But Jim really Brooks, lucky. like at that time, like, because I've talked to him, and, you know, there's several people who've had great things to say about you. One one was Jim, who I, I had a, a long talk with in here, and, and the other one was uh, Genji. Oh, yeah. And Genji, Genji talked about a lot of people, but, like, with you, she lit up. Oh. Because you, I guess she was a young writer mm. on, which one, Tracy Takes On? Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the first one was on Fox, so... How do you get Jim Brooks, you know, who's a sitcom guy, who was do, had a movie career, mm. to do you? I don't know. I just got lucky. He just, I appealed what did he to see? him. What did I don't he know. See? He just liked the thought of doing a variety show, and he had some commitments at Fox, and he just, he just stuck with me. And he's people kind of were a amazed. He's a genius. He's tough. He's tough. He's really, really hard to work for. I mean, he's, he's so, you know, it's painful if you don't get it right, and you care so much about what he thinks and. He put a great team together. He put together this lady called Heidi Perlman, a great writer and a yeah. wonderful guy called Jerry Belson, who he was just the funniest, kindest man in the world. I mean, he'd, he'd been on the Dick Van Dyke show and Old he was Gary Marshall's, yeah. but so funny and so wicked. Yeah. I remember when we got our first Emmy nomination and he was always bitching that I said he was old. He went, it's my first nomination in color, <laughs> honey. <laughs> And he was going to go, not. He came to uh, L.A. and put an ad in the in the variety. They said, Jerry Belson, funny as money. Not funny, no money. You know, he was. That's how, that was his. That was his thing. And <laughs> he was wonderful to me. Um, and how, how did the show come together? What was the pitch? What oh, did, I it mean, was just doing everything. Just singing, was, dancing, me doing characters, me dressing up, me, you know. So it, it had was, no real structure other no, than it's all it character was, centric. Yeah, it was. Uh, we love things like your show of shows. We just, you know. Um, and you had guys that remembered that. You oh, had yeah. guys that like did that type of television. Yeah, and we had Mel Brooks on the lot and he'd come in and do sketches with me and and then Steve Martin came in and did a sketch with me and it was like, I was so shy. It was like really bizarre. You know, Steve Martin wanted to come in. I was like, he didn't talk to me all week because he's kind of an odd guy. And, yeah. And it was like, you know, it was like, Tracy, take him to your room and play your records and then on the night he was just amazing and we did this great sketch and but it was a very very frightening roller coaster ride of a show and i just stuck at it and just did tried everything i had wonderful julie kavner she's great i adored she's so funny. julie i mean i had these you know dan castellanetta wonderful yeah and they, that and that's, found in chicago and and they went on to you know to do the, the simpsons. simpsons yeah um and, and how that show ran for what how many did you do like 50 we did 
No, we did more than that. We did like three seasons, I think, and it's never been repeated or shown anywhere. It's because there was so much music in it. I think the music clearances gets a little expensive. Yeah, and that was for no, Fox, no. That like was right for at Fox. the beginning. It was the first show for Fox. Yeah, just you and Married with Children. That's all they had. <laughs> Married with Children. And, um, what did they was doing? Mr. President and Madeline Kahn was in a show, and George C. Scott was George in something, C. and Scott. Patty Duke was in. Something. I mean, it was yeah, it was. Uh, and now it's like it became this huge thing. That was yeah, the very beginning of it. That was the beginning. And how did it end? What with me? Yeah. Um, well, it just was. We won some Emmys, and we were very, um, you know, very well thought of. And then the Simpsons spun off from the show, which was <laughs> that's what people remember it for now, um, which was incredible. I remember when it was on that. Like, I, no, I remember that there was some sort of cultural kind of like, there's this genius lady here now. It was sweet. Yeah, it was that was like, yeah. odd. Yeah, and I'd sort of be on Interview Magazine, right, the cover. Right. And, and every um, time you go look and, and check in with what you were doing, you're like, I don't know who she really is. I know. And then people just thought that there was a rumor that I was somebody from Texas and I was just sort of impersonating. Oh, really? Yeah, that I was really from Texas. I don't know. But yeah, it's it was, it was pretty cool. It was something I was, yeah, and I got tons of offers to do things and I, I thought well what I really can do with these characters and I really dissolve into being other people and that's what Jim Brooks understood he you know he used to sort of think I was his little Peter Sellers at one time and that was the biggest compliment ever did you love um, Peter Sellers oh yeah like because I, I imagine as somebody who grew up in Britain that was like he was the guy oh yeah I mean he was you know genius and to be you know he really was uh, oh, kind of like, I can't, was, it's hard to even explain it. Oh, just like the early, you know, comedies of that I'm All Right Jack. I mean, we, you remember from Doctor Strange Love yeah, and, sure. and um, you know, the Pink Panther, but early English films with him portraying people throughout the class system in England fascinated me because that's what, you know, my, my whole thing about the class system. You did a whole bit, of, uh, a series of shows about the class system. I did you? a, yeah, I did a show with Michael Palin about it and we played lots of... Uh, <laughs> we uh it was great it was that's one of the benefits i love, love palin i just want to work he's, more with uh, he's a he's sweetheart yeah it's oh, adorable but there, that's some of the one of the benefits of of britain i guess in in a in in a comedic way is that you guys admit that there's a class system in, in america everybody thinks they're you know like just about to be upper class yeah, yeah and, it's, and, and, or they're just poor and they're And there is a class system here. It's more about no, money and stuff. Well, that's stuff, what I mean. Yeah, yeah there definitely yeah. is, but no one talks about no, it. No, no. Um, but in England, it's sort of like, you know the delineation. Oh, totally. I mean, it's it still perpetuates because you've got of the course. queen at the top. Right. Right, and then you and know, then, and you got these Eton schoolboys. You know, we had Cameron and Boris Johnson, and you know George Osborne. It was like Eton reunion in Downing Street a couple of years ago, and you know it's that <laughs> stuff that drives me potty. And my husband was such a working class guy; it just made him nuts. But yeah, but the work. But there seems to be a continue. Like maybe I'm projecting, but given the class system that it's so entrenched and it's been going on for so long, mm. there still is this weird acceptance of it and reverence of the queen, yeah. no matter what. No. And and you just kind of suck it up and that's who you are until then, until there's a Brexit vote and then you really know what's going on. It's, yeah. And I, I've kind of got a grudging respect for her now. I mean, she's in her 90s and she's done an amazing job, but the rest of it and what it stands for, yeah. it's like we pay people millions of pounds to be better than us. You know, I just don't get it. To I hold mean, this it was line. yeah. And then people meet them and go, "Oh, they're marvelous! Oh, they're marvelous!" You go, "What?" Because they're up in Scotland in Range Rovers <laughs> shooting things, owning all the fishing rights. What? Don't say anything nasty about her. They're marvelous. You go, "Why?" <laughs> like it's now. I never got it. Yeah. I, I don't get it. 
I guess it's. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's historical. I guess. I, I mean, what else could it be? Well, we, I mean, America loves it. I mean, it's our tourists. It's it's wonderful. You know, people come to England and they look at the palaces and the collections and the history and the Tower of London and the beheadings of all the Henry VIII. It's fabulous. But I don't think you need people living actively in these places anymore. We'd still right. make just as much money showing everyone around, like right, a right. bicycling yeah, monarchy, yeah. Why like can't a they Dutch. Just get you know, an apartment somewhere. Get the queen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get, get the queen a yeah, nice apartment. Fine, you know, a nice timeshare condo <laughs> on Donald Trump's golf course up in Scotland. You know, I remember I was there during uh, right after high school, and and it was Charles and Diana's wedding when oh, I was boy, there, yeah. and it was crazy. Yeah, and I did, I didn't really know anything about it. I, it just happened to be there, and I was I think I was in France, and, and the whole world was going <laughs> nuts. I know. Did you ever meet her? Yeah, I liked her. I felt sorry for her. I thought she was trying to, you know, do something, and she realised that you couldn't sit around and do nothing and, as I say, shoot things up in range, with Range Rovers in Scotland. You yeah. had to get out and meet some folk and go to hospitals and stuff. I think she earned her keep. I liked her. I thought it was a tragedy. And they were so mad about that, in a way, weren't they? It was they, odd, that? yeah. But it's our soap opera. It sells all the papers. It's People love it, really. I think you know, that's why they love it. Yeah, it? we're never going to be a republic. You know, we did get rid of them years ago. Yeah. We killed Charles the First and we had Oliver yeah, Cromwell for eleven years and yeah. it was jolly dull evidently. <laughs> he wouldn't let anybody do anything or, you know, play a lot of music and then we got Charles the Second in with his long hair and his spaniels and all his mistresses and it was fun again. <laughs> you know? So we did do it once. I guess that's what keeps it keeps the spirit up over there. It's sort of like <laughs> the like, Royals have got to be crazy and fun. And they're just more interesting and better than ours. And I don't know. But uh, So like The Simpsons like that was just a series of interstitial stuff yeah yes Matt Groening came in and he'd written his life in hell I remember remember those books we used to buy those in you know shops on Melrose and Heidi Perlman was a big fan and I remember him coming in and meeting him and brilliant fella and then he created the Simpsons for the show and seeing the first drawings of you know Marge with blue hair yeah Julie Yeah. Um, I love impersonating her it's so mean yeah, and uh, they just off they went, and my I'll goodness, say. it's become it's astonishing. Did you get a piece of it? I get a tiny piece of it. Yes, Mark, enough to nice. know, keep me comfortable. And <laughs> I know it's doing well. I was just in Italy, and you know, it's got uh, the Simpsons bath form. You know, <laughs> bagno de lavaggio in these little shops, Still. and I go, and I go, Johnny, just paid for the holiday, kid. You know, I mean, it's just everywhere. It's, it's like Coca Cola. Well, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it keeps going. It keeps going. It's... So, all right. So, what happens? Like, like it's hard to go through your whole career, obviously. <laughs> also, I <laughs> drive everyone mad. I tried bits of everything, and then I did really classy stuff. You know, I was yeah. in a film with Meryl Streep but yeah. as I was a pop star. Yeah, I got cast in Plenty, and that was a oh, fabulous. Yeah. You know, serious, wonderful. And you movie. can do it. I can. I can. You can be serious. I can be serious. Do you, are, does it bore Darling, you? I'm a thespian. Yeah, you know, no, you that was what I... And I had a wonderful time doing that. So do, was there a point where you got tired of TV and just were like, I got to like, do no, something? No, I've else? never been tired of TV. I like TV. It's great. It's where my strength has been. I've, I've done a few movies. I've never had a really successful movie or... Um, I love like, being a part of them, but TV's great, and it's it couldn't little, be better now. And you know, goes, and you, and you, bang, you do working. another one the next week. It's right. not, it's, it's not very good. Okay, we'll do another show next week, and it's that excitement. And the movies and, take for fucking. Oh, ever. and then they just sit there, and they're awful. You never know when they're going to come out. You don't even remember what it's about no. by the time it comes out. No. So what? What was the HBO? How did you shift? Like, well, I'd finished doing the Fox show, and then I had sort of great respect and interest from people, and 
Chris Albrecht, um, uh, uh, Michael Fuchs, yeah. um, Michael Fuchs was Carolyn still there. Strauss, yeah, and they, I they, uh, I'd done the show about class system in England with yeah. Michael Palin, and they thought that would be a good um, format for America. And then I took on New York, and I would take on all these different subjects, and that's how the HBO show and they got were going. Th- and they were themed, yeah, yeah. So it gave me a central theme, and I just and that's where you together. met Genji. That's when I met Genji. She'd uh, she'd been working on, I think, Friends, and she was like the kid, you know. She yeah. came in with her tight jeans, and she was always very cool, Genji. You know, she'd just been playing, yeah, you know, cards with Hispanic guys on the boardwalk in Venice. You know, she was always had a, she had like multi ethnic friends. You'd go, wow, Genji, and she was just. And I always felt a bit like her headmistress, though. I go, "Where's your script? You know, it's like, where's your homework?" <laughs> um, she'd take a bit of time turning in her homework, but when when it came in, it was just fabulous. Well, how did those? How did that work on those shows? Like in general, with the writers, when you were doing characters, they come up. Would you come up with the characters? Or yeah, they, I pretty much come up with the characters, and then and then they place it, or yeah, you, and then you would find a way to apply them to that show. And I had different I, different groups. Like I'd have Genji, my young, my kid. Yeah, I had lovely girl parent who would used to do the Golden Girls and. Had done Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, brilliant. Who was that? Um, Forget her name. Gail Parent. Uh-huh. And then oh, I Gail had uh, Ian Lafrenet and Dick Clement, these English writers who they were on. I mean, I had lots of George McGrath and just this various group of people that were very diverse and yeah. eclectic, which yeah. is what I do. And, and some were better at writing for certain characters. And there were some characters I could just always write myself. Um, and we would collaborate and I'd work with different people and it just all came together. And would there be plenty of room for riffing, improvising? Totally. I was, it's like 30% to me on the day is spontaneous and happens and yeah. And so after all these like shows you did here, to go back to Britain, mm. back to the BBC, mm-hmm. was must have been like going to, like like you were a kid again. <laughs> it was funny. I mean, I... Because it's so, it's like entrenched, isn't it? It's like it is what, like there's that old studio there. I did a, some sort of radio <laughs> show there. And you feel the history, if it's yeah. a, what I'm thinking, if it's the same building. It's, yeah, there's the radio studios are still there. All the TV stuff has gone now, the studios. Oh. Um, but I wanted to spend more time in England after my husband died and be near my daughter, Mabel, who is just the power source and just amazing. And so, and the BBC said, would you like to come in and talk about a project? I thought, my God, I haven't been here for 30 years. And I... You know, I thought I was going to go back in. It would be all the, what, what, what? You know, the old fellows with the, there was a fellow there with a bow tie, Robin Nash. And he'd fought in the Second World War. More jokes about traffic wardens. That's probably what, 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 what? And they used to do that sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, God, if it's those guys again, I'm just sunk. And I went in and it's now run by an incredible woman called Charlotte Moore. Uh-huh. And there was a young girl called my Fanwy Moore. And uh, my Fanwy is such a Welsh name. And um, they just said, you know, would you like to, do a show about modern day Britain and I said yeah Britain's so great right now it's a melting pot and we're all like multi-ethnic and European Union and you know this global hub and you know, a year later we vote bloody Brexit but um, but I did it knowing that HBO were going to take it as well because yeah. I said I can't just do things about England I'm so global now yeah and um, so I gave it a go again you know you got to crack on and do it and found some fabulous writers and it's it's been a joy uh, english writers mostly? yeah but actually the guys that write on veep um oh yeah what was the Armando name? Iannucci's yeah, crew, yeah. kevin cecil 
Andy Riley, Georgia Pritchett, particularly, they all write on Veep and then and they're but they're English. So it's funny show, man. Yeah, they're great. They're great. It's really good team. So, and it's you know it's come together, and I do impersonations now, which I never really used to do. But I realised oh, they you, would. You uh, did, there's a difference between characters did, yeah. and impersonations. And I thought. So in a way, it's been a bit naughty because I I do Judy Dench. Oh, she you do it great. And Blair's a national treasure, <laughs> and she's so well thought of that she can shoplift and nobody does anything about it. Uh, yeah. And so in a way, I was stealing from the legend that is Judy Dench. And it was great. It was Camilla very funny. Parker Bowles, you know the, that was that's um, funny too. I watched Maggie that. Smith and uh, yeah. Angela Merkel has been a big hit for me. Yeah, I just sort of imagined her as somebody she probably isn't and right. it's been it's, well, it's been hard wonderful. to it's hard to read huh i think that she thinks she's very sexy <laughs> and she's a big sex bomb sex bomb <laughs> and that um young lord Juncker is always trying to you know to smell her sexy mask and i imagined her as somebody that's amongst all the men and she's wearing a beige suit and she's very sex bomb <laughs> so that was my premise for her that that's the, been the problem everyone's trying Just to hit on her, her. oh really <laughs> so she's um, having to shut down <laughs> You know, with what's going on in America and her allegiance with Macron in France and Germ- Germany together, you know, they're becoming, I think, them, Americans are much more aware of, of her. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just love Brigitte Macron. I've got, I want to be her. And I love the way Trump said to her, you look great. Yeah. You're physically in great shape. Oh, shut up. It's so embarrassing. And you do, oh, you do Melania too? Oh, we did Melania like as a Westworld robot that the Russians have sent in years ago. What she was, she was an yeah. early robot and now, you know, she's like Mir Space Station. She needs to be dropped into sea. But they're trying to keep her going. <laughs> yeah, because they get, need the yeah, information. they need the information. But she's really old now. They need, she needs to be replaced. <laughs> so we keep having her coming in for a retool. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. Well, and they're all available on HBO now? Uh, yeah. They get the, I, there's the first season's on H, has been on HBO already, and the second season will be on after Bill Maher's show in October. So, Great. Yeah. Good and you slot. got nominated for an Emmy? I did. Again? Yes, How nice. How many have you won? I've got seven. That's amazing. Yeah. It's lovely. It's exciting. Yep. You I know ne- I'm still doing it. Look, gets, you know. Yeah. It never gets old winning awards, does it? No. It's it's lovely. It gives everyone a boost. People love it. The Emmys is like the top thing. It's lovely. You know? Do you do like do you do a much stage work? No. I no. couldn't do stand up or stuff. And I, but uh, what about acting on the I stage? I have done plays at times. I'm just not an eight show a week person. Yeah. I find it. I find it hard. I don't know. You've done theatre. A little. I do stand up. Mm, I mean, yeah. I haven't done much theater, and I just did my first couple of TV shows. And, the, you know, mm. I, I have a whole new. Like, you know, yeah. one thing you realize as a stand up is that maybe I didn't get into this to work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I loved uh, acting and stuff, but there is a lot of waiting involved where you're kind of yeah. like, okay, it's about to happen. Oh, I'm about to, yeah, I'm gonna, films are even worse. It, you know, yeah, I know. But uh, I, I love doing it. I loved, uh, like, I did my own show for four seasons, and that was great, and I was very busy. But you, you work your ass off, mm. and you're wearing heavy makeup. Oh, like, I can't, like, I, I have to imagine that some of the bits that you do, you're in the chair for a, a day. Is it six hours? What? It's just, no, there's no makeup I will do anymore that takes more than two hours. I and mean, they have to be pre-painted and, you know, ready to go. And I get two guys to stick it on me in the morning. And then I, but if I'm in them for more than 14 hours, I start to go a bit nuts. It's like spelunking. It's like, you know, yeah. being buried alive. And there's nothing worse than a member of the crew walking past you and, <laughs> and saying, 
are you okay in there? Yeah. In there. <laughs> and you're covered in glue. You're like, and you stupid sod, why did you mention that? In there. Are you no. okay in there? No, help me. <laughs> help me. <laughs> Give me out. Give yeah, me out. and I'd be in a fat suit and a... You know, with a oxygen tank thing beside me to keep me cool, and the, you know the wig, and the and you think, oh boy, why am I? What do I do this for? And it's, but it's, I just love it. It's if I try commitment. and look like me, what's the point? So what? you know, I'm still doing it, and I still love it. I, I'm now I'm doing more because of the political scene. Actually, people really want current stuff. It was no good like shooting a show. And six months later, the piece with Angela Merkel or Theresa May or Melania Trump coming out, you know, it's got to be like Saturday Night yeah, Live a little bit. Week. You know, we, yeah, we sh- we've been writing stuff like on and shooting on a Thursday and it goes out on the Saturday. And it's now. so, yeah, you have to because the news cycle so The fast. news cycle and people's attention span and everything. So it's kind of exciting working that way. But where was that piece that I saw or I watched of, of Theresa? I mean, it seems like you're, di- they're, they're long form pieces. They're not sketch pieces. They're, you, you know, you give these characters time to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Because you sort of have to mm, in get, order yeah. to give it some depth and to make it really hit. Yeah. I mean, that's good writing. I mean, you're not just going for some weirdo. No, you it's know, not tag. a quick, quick, cheap impersonation yeah, of just yeah. being me. No, I really like to know what the underlying stuff is. And yeah, that was. Uh, but that, you know, we got to mention within that sketch. You yeah, know, yeah. The stuff, stuff that hadn't even happened yet. So you know, that was. No, we. Uh, that's what I like to do. Yeah, Long exactly. Form. And no laugh track and stuff. And no, no, it's much better. No, no. So what? Have, in looking back, do you know why? Do you get lost in characters? Do you know? Do you find? I mean, do you, you seem to like yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't seem to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm a really normal kind of person. I mean, right. I'm not like you know. Tr- I'm so not there's that no like, dark, depressed. But there's no reason supposed like, to be so miserable losing comedy. I mean, I've had some bleak things happen to me but i'm certainly i'm a pretty sensible person but you're not getting lost in characters because you can't you know because you can't stand <sighs> no, that's, no. no I, I soon snap out of it yeah yeah um because <laughs> my, my family be like oh shut up enough um yeah enough. yeah enough stop it so um, do you have a place here too or what uh, not anymore. I I don't live in LA anymore. So you just running around I love coming doing the thing. Come, yeah, I just come back in and uh, see my son and because um, I'm in England mostly. And you know what you tend to do when you come to LA now? Medical. Oh really? Because over there, you know, they don't know anything about preventative medicine. You know, it's like, well, if you haven't got flames coming out the top of your head, you don't need to see me, do you? And here, you can you can feel like weeks with like you know minor medical appointments. Oh, so they you, love it here. It's such a big business here. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Well, oh, you, but you've also like, got the guild coverage, I imagine. So you <laughs> I just do. Go down to Bob Hope oh, Health man. Center. Do you ever? Man, it's like it's <laughs> that, that's so funny. That's a vacation. Like you have national health care yeah. there, which is fine, but yeah. you can really make a week of it here. You could really make it two, two at my age, please. There's always bits to do. Go it's it's all maintenance, you know. <laughs> so you got all up to speed. You know what you got to do. Yeah, eat yeah. You so I do that once and... a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're well. Thank you for I'm talking. I'm well. To yeah. It's nice to talk to you. I think that was good. Do you feel good about it? Yeah. I was nervous about it. So I had to Why? Do you I not like, like talking to girls? No, I, I like talking to girls. Who do you like talking to? I like talking to everybody. But similar every... types that you no, just No, no, no. What happens to me is that because I put so much reliance on the conversation occurring that I don't really do a lot of like structural questions. So like I always get nervous sort of like, what if, what if we don't talk? What if it that doesn't happen? It's some really, people aren't really impro- some people aren't spontaneous but if you, if you had anyone in here that's a bit stupid and dull and doesn't talk back 
back to you. Well, I, mean, I know I just talk ad nauseum and probably talk a load of crap, but I always think if I no. spoke to someone and they just like think they just stopped. Well, know, no, what happened? What used to happen? What sometimes happens is that people expect to be interviewed. So if if <laughs> if someone comes in here and they're just sort of like, okay, then I'm like, oh no. The publicist yeah. sitting behind them. No, I don't let anyone in here. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't let anyone in here. But sometimes it takes like 15, 20 minutes to find one thing that'll just open it up. Like something will open it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> you just don't know what it's going to be. Like, mm-hmm. you, like I've had people come in here like um, John C. Riley. He literally comes in and goes, I don't like doing these. I don't want it. I don't. It ruins the mystique about who I am. And thank God I used to have a clown painting in my house <laughs> in my house. And he just went off on clowns for like 20 minutes. Right. I'm like, thank God for clowns and that he loves clowns. He likes clowns. Well, yeah, oh, but he had, it was just like clowns. a way to talk. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know when it's going to happen. Yeah. But no, I, I like talking to everybody. I've never had that big of a problem. I like talking to girls. It's nice to talk to women. I don't, does it seem like I have a problem? No, some, some comics are such a man's world. Some many either like women or they don't like women, especially in comedy. I think you know, there's some. There's a real boys' club group. I think that's true. I, I believe that's true, but I think that they've been proven wrong. Yeah. I, I maybe you need to it's, remind it's, them occasionally. Well, it's what? a great time for girls right now. I mean, it's like it's me going on about reminding myself. Yeah. About Carol Burnett, about Lily Tomlin, about Gilda Radner, about Lucille Ball, about Gracie Allen, George Burns' wife, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. Genius. Amazing. I, I don't think that people give Carol Burnett and those people enough credit, really. I've wanted to talk to her. I am oh, Lily Tomlin. I've, look, I've, I've tried. Yeah. I've talked to Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's shy. Who, she's Carol Burnett? Carol, she is really. I mean, she's just a lovely, lovely actress. I mean, her, you know, she was so endearing and so loved. And so, yeah. and then so, you know, some of the sketches, they're so fabulous. She's so sad. Yeah, I know, um, I know. And it's to so talk heavy. to her about her time in the CBS lot. Yeah. And how she felt like she was the goody goody lady doing her show, and the Smothers Brothers next door were like smoking dope and saying, We're the bad boys. And yeah. you've got to talk to her about being on the lot at that time. It's fabulous. But you do think now that the, the sort of boys' club is diminishing a bit, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. Because it was. Because there's so many great shows. Like uh, Insecure is another great show. Oh, I'm, yeah. She's, she's gorgeous. Great. Love her. I got to talk to you. I'm, and then I love Donald Glover, you know, just talk, in Atlanta. It's my that's new fucking, favorite one. That's and, a great show. But I show. love seeing ensemble shows where yep. everyone can. Yeah, um, Veep is real good at that. Veep is great. It's crazy. She's uh, crazy funny. Yeah. They do like some. I'd like. We've got to have a woman in late night now. It's a bit much. We've got Samantha B, and that's great, but it would be nice to see. That's true. Yeah, As a host, know, we can't keep have the women in daytime giving away hair dryers and talking about ovarian cancer. I mean, let us do some late night shit, guys. I think you just pitched for your uh, late night show. Are you ready to host? <laughs> no, Is I there... couldn't do it. No, no, not me. But well, I'm glad that uh, your show's still on. I'm glad you're still working. Thanks Thank you for talking much. to me. It's lovely to talk to you. That was Tracy Almond. Almond? No. Tracy Ullman. And as I said, the second season of her HBO show, Tracy Ullman's show, premieres this Friday, October 20th. Please go get the book if you haven't gotten it. Waiting for the Punch, Words to Live By from the WTF Podcast by Mark Marin and Brendan McDonald. Bunch of people in there. 150, 160 bits and pieces of interviews themed beautifully, contextualized through chapters that you can all relate to. Yeah, it's a good book. You can go to get it at a bookstore. You can go to markmarinbook.com. So there's that. And I'll noodle for a second. And then I got to go. 
Boomer lives.